There are certain uh, third-party insurers. They call me every three to six months. Will you do business with our company? And I'm like, no, you're only gonna offer 40% or 60% of Medicare. Absolutely not. Welcome to the DME Coach Podcast, where we teach you to take excellent care of your customers and even better care of your team members. Well, like I said the previous two weeks, we are post DME apocalypse, which means, hey, we're living in the wild, wild west. Things are good for our stores right now. Reimbursements have ticked up. Uh, it looks like we are on this side of the epidemic, which means uh, things are going to get better. People realize, hey, Home health care is very, very important. I can tell you uh, I oversee four stores. The traffic has really, really ticked up across our four stores that I oversee. And a lot of it is there was a pent-up demand for home medical equipment, respiratory equipment, even incontinence, you name it. And just because we were in the middle of an epidemic did not mean that you could go without. So um, now granted, the traffic looks drastically different. And, uh, you know, whether you have uh, curbside pickup, drop ship, uh, they're coming into your store, what it looks like. Things do look significantly different. Uh, but, hey, we are in the new environment, and I hope you guys have pivoted because things are going very, very well. Now, as we near the end of the year, um, kind of consider this like a DME or home healthcare boot camp for your business. You know, we, we talked about change last week. We talked about the importance of authenticity. This week is contracting. I hate contracting. I'm a dominant person by nature. And what that means is like, just like, tell me what it's going to cost and I'll pay for it and be done with it. Whether it's $5, $100, $1,000. I wish things were easy. And one of the things that frustrates me about, uh, a lot of healthcare business is there's so many things that are hidden, <laughs> even like a generic charge for a CPAP machine, $165 or whatever it has to be. But then you have the Medicare rate, or then you have this third-party payer. They pay a percentage of this or this. It would be so much easier if we just had a rate and it was fair. Um, now, the problem is, is if it's the same, there's always someone who's going to undercut. Um, there's always, so, I mean, I understand the dynamics of pricing, but in this episode, we are going to talk about the importance of contracting. Now, contracting means a lot of different things. Um, I will primarily hang out in the Medicare realm, um, and this is the most important contract, but then as you go down the spectrum, whether you're talking about individual hospice contracts, third-party contracts, Medicaid contracts, um, they're all a little bit different. But let's talk about Medicare first. So you should obviously know the difference between assignment and non-assignment and assignment for medicare basically means you're going to take assignment for medicare means you're going to take what medicare gives you now in the old days uh there were a lot of people who would take assignment because medicare rates were really really good even back in those days we did not take assignment um across the board with our medical supply because there's sometimes uh you don't want to take Medicare rates or uh, let's use a 
example of a three-wheel motorized scooter. Um, yeah, the back in the day, the scooter rates were good, but what if you wanted a souped-up scooter that had more, you know, bells and gadgets, you name it? You then had the opportunity of paying cash, uh, not assignment. So let's just use let's use nice even numbers. Let's say Medicare is going to pay thousand uh, dollars for a scooter. You could then pay fifteen hundred dollars for the non-assignment scooter, and then Medicare would send a check for a thousand dollars back to you. Technically, it's not a thousand dollars. You'd get eighty eight hundred dollars from Medicare because that's eighty percent plus the twenty percent copay if you had a supplemental insurance. Now. What is a contract? A contract is just simply an agreement is all that it is. Um, so I'm going to go way, way high. A contract could be between you and a customer. Hey, I'm going to pay $9.99 for this compression hose or $100 for this nebulizer machine, whatever. A contract is a contract. Um, sometimes they come with warranties. Hey, 12, you know, typically a 12-month uh, warranty is typical for most durable medical equipment. Oxygen machines are obviously oxygen concentrators and machines are a little bit longer. And then there's other items such as, you know, your soft goods, which would not come with a warranty um, unless something was just thoroughly defective. So whether, you know, you always have to think contracts. Contracts is just, hey, this is what we're going to agree to. Now, usually it's not good to change your contracts over and over and over again. But you do have to come to terms of where you're at in the process. And it's really important to talk about these. I, I've run into stores. They are not wanting to talk about certain contracts. Now, a lot of it is it's hard when, you know, we are a larger um, organization where we have four stores. But that still is teeny, teeny compared to some of the big insurance companies. We don't have a lot of bargaining power, um, whereas some other stores might have more bargaining power. Understand what your contract power is. Likewise, if a customer comes into your store and wants to wheel and deal and you're the only store in town, you're going to have more power in terms of contracting. And I'm not saying take advantage of them, but what I'm saying is we don't always have to give bargain bargain basement prices um, because hey, we have overhead. We have team members we have to pay. Uh, you gotta have the. You gotta pay for the lights to turn on. And someone, well, I can get. Someone might say I can get this cheaper on the internet. You're right. You can get it cheaper on the internet. Are you gonna want to wait ten days if they have it in stock? Are they gonna service it if it needs warranty? All of that comes with a a price. So when you're setting your contracts up, whether it be Medicare, Medicaid, name it. Understand what your costs are when doing this. Now, I'm going to sound a little old-fashioned when I talk about this, but when setting up a contract, I believe in being as truthful and authentic as possible. This is a whole lot easier in a small town where, hey, you've got a deal and it's like, hey, I'm going to sell you this wheelchair for a given price and I'm going to guarantee that that wheelchair works. Now, if you bust it up, um, you know, that kind of that kind of breaks things, but, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. So when I work with uh, even insurance companies and customers and think contract, I want to treat them fairly. Now, if you ever see 
customers taking advantage of us, lying to us. Um, I put notes in the account because then you know that the person you're working with is not trustworthy. You need to be aware of it. doesn't mean you won't do business with them. But likewise, insurance companies as well, too. We tend to understand which insurance companies are more authentic and easier to work with than others. Um, I believe in something called, there's this, what I like to call the 50-50 rule. In everything, there is a degree that we need to work as home care suppliers and companies versus what the pa patient needs to bring. So for example, um, the 50-50 rule means, hey, we do half the work, the other 50, they do half the work. So what, what does this mean? If you dispense a CPAP machine, it means they use the CPAP machine. It means they clean the CPAP machine. They take ownership over their part. And some of the most frustrating relationships that I've had is like everyone believes that we're supposed to do all the work and the patient and the caregiver does none of it. And then, you know, th this is very exhausting. Uh, relationships like this are non-sustainable. So I believe in what's called the 50-50 relationship. And what is that? Hey, we, we'll meet you halfway, but you need to meet us halfway. And it makes for a very equitable relationship. And they're more fun. Like, hey, I need you to go to your physical therapy appointment to get that wheelchair authorized. And if you don't show up for the wheelchair appointment, then we can't get you the wheelchair. And this is a little harder, but you, know, you need someone to take ownership and... The nice thing, the more mature we have gotten in our stores, the the more I've leaned into this. I had a fascinating story last week. I had one of my team members come to me and said, Eric, someone wants a hospital bed. I'm like, so can we give it to them? And they're like, well, you put a note in the account that we're never to do business with them again. I'm like, well, what happened? Well, in this case, long story, we're talking five plus years ago, we had a disagreement with a customer. This was back in the day where entitlement ran rapid. And they basically just said, "We're if you don't give us this product, we're going to come down to the store and beat all you guys up. I was like, holy cow. Um, we actually had to call the police about this. And what ended up happening was we just kind of agreed never to do business with this uh, customer again for for the obvious reason of a they had no skin in the game b they threatened my entire staff well it's kind of interesting what goes around comes around um lo and behold they no one else wanted to do but we have a couple other businesses in town and you know five years later they came back to us and like hey we need a hospital bed and the previous people that they had threatened don't work with us anymore. And they're like, well, Eric, we should work with this customer again. And I started reading the notes in the account. I'm like, you know what? Maybe not. And this is an example of the 50-50 rule. I am very pro forgiveness, but if someone's not going to take ownership over previous things that have happened in the past, we need to make sure that you protect and we protect our stores. And so what we did with this is we just said, I'm sorry, we can't work with you. Um, the discharge planner did say, well, how come? And I said, well, they threatened violence against our store. And they're like, oh, okay, not a problem. So in this case, we actually turned the customer away, which is a form of contracting. You just say, hey, we are not going to do business with you. There are certain uh, third-party insurers. They call me every three to six months. Will you do business with our company? And I'm like, no, you're only going to offer 40% or 60% of Medicare. Absolutely not. We can't uh, take that. 
And so we send them down the street to the other competitor um, that is still in our city that takes low rates, but that's just kind of how things work. We need to be aware when you set up contracts, what are the parameters? And I love the 50-50 rule. It really, really helps. Now, sometimes it's 75-25 or 40-60, but whoever you work with, whatever insurance you work with has to have skin in the game. If they don't, it is going to end poorly um, for one side. Because even if you think, well, I'll do most of the work, eventually you're going to get overwhelmed and it is non-sustainable. So remember the 50-50 rule because both sides have to have skin in the game. Now, next part of a contract is what is written. Now, if you're in the home medical equipment and you bill Medicare, Medicaid, you're accredited and they have, uh, we're accredited through HQAA, but all six or seven accreditation agencies agencies have items that are covered. Make sure you understand what's in your contract. What is the return period? What is what you are offering? This is what a contract is. And I found several times there are items in contracts, people will sign them and then they forget about it. So one of the things that you can do Understand what's in your delivery slip for contracts, but make sure it's communicated. The easiest way to do this is track your complaints. And if I start getting a number of complaints in a general area, you might say, well, hey, Eric, the delivery slip is very, very clear on this one. Well, obviously, if you're, we are getting lots of complaints in a general area, something is not clear. And this might be one of those things where then you need to specify it in a different way. For example, you might say, hey, there's going to be a copay involved. Uh, we've had seasons where we have almost a double delivery slip. We have them sign the official delivery slip, and then we have them sign a second delivery slip that basically says, hey, we think your copay is going to be $20 on this $100 sale, and we have them sign it again the second time. And then we run their credit card for the $20, and we give them a receipt. And what all that we're doing there is we're just making sure they know their skin in the game is $20 on this $100 per on this $100 purchase. People hate surprises. So when you're looking at contracts, make sure that you understand and everyone understands their skin in the game. Likewise, with contracts, track the problems that you have with every individual contract. One of the common problems that we will have, for example, are certain third-party payers not wanting to pay out on accessories for some of our wheelchair equipment. And what we will do here is we will track these and just make sure, you know, hey, we had this problem with this one company and what they will do is they will authorize the seat elevate feature on a power chair. And then we go and build a power chair with the seat elevate feature and then they deny it. This has happened over and over and over again with this one payer. Even though we have the form that says, hey, we're going to pay for the seat elevate feature. It's like Charlie Brown on the football. The football keeps getting pulled away over and over and over and over again. So what we do in this case, we just let the patient know, hey, we've requested this. They said they're going to pay it, but we're going to let you know there is a good chance they're going to deny it. Understand how that works with a contract. And... Uh, even what we've been able to do with these payers, we figured out the person in charge at the insurance company that we can work with. And they actually, they, they, they want to work with us. But with, in terms of this contract, what we do is we just understand, hey, this is kind of where things can go hairy. 
Another thing with contracts is we also need to understand how they work in the organization with which we work. So the fascinating thing with Medicare, as an example, they're very, very simple. You submit the claim electronically, they either pay or they don't pay. If they don't pay and you disagree with it, you can appeal it and you have these different levels of appealing. Every contract can be appealed. Every contract. And when you appeal the contract, I mean, actually the last part of a contract that can be appealed is you can take it all the way up to a judge. Even if you lose ALJ, you can then appeal ALJ to a judge. Now, you're not going to do that most of the time because that gets really, really expensive really fast. But understand, with every contract, you can always appeal it. Uh, same with customers. If a customer decides not to pay, um, you can sue them. Now, this is <laughs> frequently is not a good use of time. If you are having to sue um, sue customers, it's not a good idea. But understand, with contracts, everything can be appealed. Now, I do whatever I can to stay out of the courts, but you always have to have that in your back pocket because if not, you will get taken advantage of. I would say in 16 years of business, I've gone to court uh, about eight times. So about once every two years. Um, but every time I go to court, I, I, I realize what, what degree of stupid did I have to own that I could have prevented this in the future moving forward. So when in doubt, Try not to go to court, but always understand it's always an option with uh, with contracts if you disagree. Uh, my most frustrating instance was it was a number of years ago. I dispensed a power wheelchair group three, was paid on it, and then the patient returned it six months later saying it didn't work, which was baloney. Um, then they filed the claim with the insurance company. The insurance company took their money back. I then called a lawyer. They charged me their three to $5,000 to fight it. I lost it because my lawyer stunk. And then after that, um, it was just really expensive. So A, I lost the claim. B, I lost the customer. And three, I had to pay the lawyer bill. So understand with contracts, and this was one of those things, I was in the right. If you read through everything, we were in the right. But um, we still lost. So maybe I wasn't in the right because, you know, if you if, if you win, you win. But in that case, understand what can we do? Um, and with that contract, what I learned is I need to be more careful. And we have not had that experience happen again um, ever since that. So I have learned from our stupid. Now, with contracts also, I find one of the most important things that we can do is write things down. Now, we all know we communicate differently. So you, you will tell someone verbally, you can write things down. When we write things down, um, it gives people the opportunity to read. So here are a few other things that you might want to consider putting in with contracts. Now, this wouldn't be, these contracts would not be, not necessarily for Medicare, but other smaller things, maybe with hospice, as well as even customers. Get into... Um, deliveries. How many times are you going to go out to their house? Are you going to force them always to come back into the store? What about uh, what about after hours? Um, are you going to go out after hours? Is there going to be a charge involved? We, When you set your contracts up, you need to have clear boundaries in place. Now, with CMS, you have to play by their rules. They're not going to, everyone has to play by the same rules, which is kind of nice, but still express to them what are you going to provide in the time frame for whatever you give? Number two, um, what are the objectives of the piece of equipment that you give them? 
what does it look like? And with power wheelchairs, I, I, I have had so many times where my customer literally thinks I have, I'm going to get a power wheelchair. It's going to solve all of my problems. I'm very specific with them over and over and over again. This power wheelchair will not fix all of your problems. And you might laugh at that, but it's true. They think, well, now that I got my power chair, I can go down to the grocery store. I can pull this up. I can do this. I can do this. It's not going to fix all of their problems. So just make sure you tell them, hey, we're giving you this power chair. The main goal of this power chair is to get you to and from the bathroom, to and from the kitchen. That's where we're going to go. Now you can use it going to soccer games, your grandkids' soccer games, or something else. That is not its main objective. So make sure that that is communicated very, very well. What are the objectives of a certain contract? Next is time schedule. Uh, time schedule is arguably... Time schedule is one of the things that I will see people get and go hairy very, very frequently. I'm going to call in an oxygen order. How long until it's dispensed? Is it stat 15 minutes to the hospital? Is it within a day? Is it within a week? Um, custom wheelchair, is it 6 to 12 weeks? It, it really varies. Make sure the contract that you have with the customer or the insurance specifies the time sensitive time sensitivity that you uh, expect. And the last thing I would say that's very, very important for contracts is feedback. Feedback is crucial. And the reason why it's crucial is a number of things. With customers especially, you need to know if they're if, if they're happy with you. So on, you know, the goal of bath safety is then to get them into some sort of mobility equipment, which is then to take care of their home health care needs the rest of their life, or at least that's our objective. Well, you can't get from first base to home plate if they are dissatisfied with you and you have competitors in town. So you want to keep them happy. How are you reaching out to them with periodic phone calls, mailers, emails? What does that look like? And, um, what is the right amount of feedback? And, you know, the goal of feedback is to make sure you're on the same page. Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time is the greatest source of discontent in the United States today is unmet expectations. When someone thinks one thing and then they get something else. So in conclusion, understand contracts, understand what they're about. Remember the 50-50 rule. Remember, write down what you can. Um, also, Remember, all contracts are always negotiable. Even Medicare, those contracts are negotiable, you know, whether it be assignment or non-assignment. Do you, what does that look like? And last, um, operate contracts in good faith. Um, if, if something doesn't work with you, tell the customer and patient, I'm sorry, this just does not work for our business or me. Uh, we just don't have the efforts for this. And sometimes they might go to a competitor. I've had other times where they said, yeah, I can see how that wouldn't work for you. What's it going to take? Um, and they're willing to buy the higher end product or what that looks like, or they might do a little bit more work with the doctor. So uh, in a nutshell, that's contracts. And I, I understand I was I was a little all over the board, but the reason why I'm all over the board, there's a lot of different contracts 
as with anything that's legally binding, have your lawyer look over it and understand uh, what's binding, what's not binding, and what that looks like. Also understand your state laws. State laws do vary whether uh, I'm in Washington state or whether you're in Nebraska or Florida or California. State laws are different and what you can and cannot do with contracts to understand that. So, Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast on the DME Coach. And we talked about contracting this week. Next week, we're going to get into the agonies of contracting. Contracts gone bad. Unfortunately, I have I have more stories than I would like to tell of contracts gone bad. So I'm going to share a little, a few of my sob stories with you. And I pray that you can learn from my mistakes and don't make some of the mistakes that we have made in contracting. So next week will be agonies of contracting. So in the meantime, take really good care of your customers and even better care of your team members. This is Eric with DME Coach. Have a great week. 